0: Matthew chapter 13, verse 47 says, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. So we've got this... Uh, tales of the Kingdom. Matthew, again, if you've had the opportunity, great. If you haven't op- had the opportunity, I want to encourage you. We've got another couple of sessions on this, two more I think it is. Um, Matthew's gospel, Matthew's um, story, his account of the life of Jesus uh, has, has a particular focus in helping us to understand that Jesus came to establish a kingdom. That's particularly relevant for the first readers, for the first hearers, for those who were, who were born as Jews. If you were a, a first century hearer of Jesus, if you'd been expecting this promised Messiah who was to come into the world, uh, you'd be an- been anticipating this. Maybe you, you knew the prophets, you knew that this had been promised, you knew that uh, a kingdom was going to come. But, but throughout all of that, because of your background, because of your uh, history as a kingdom which knew a geographical boundary and knew kings, and even at the point where Jesus uh, was preaching was under the under the rule of another ruler, the Roman Empire. You would have you would have felt, uh, the kingdom that is to come. It's going to be a bit like the old kingdom. It's going to have the the same kind of benefits of the old kingdom. We're going to, by nature, you would think we're going to kick out the Roman authorities. We're going to reestablish the rule of of God in our land. We're going to become a people with a citizenship. And then Jesus comes into, uh, into the, onto the scene and disrupts the whole of that thinking, turns it on its head, and, and reveals that God's purpose in this world was that the kingdom that was first established by His people and through His people And by a a people being chosen by God who displayed the message of God throughout the Old Testament to the whole of the world miraculously and against all human odds became a kingdom in the face of the Egyptian empire, in the face of the Babylonian empire, in the face of the Assyrian empire, these great empires, somehow this little nation uh, that seemed so weak and help, helpless, God established a people. But that was only a preparation. It was, it was a foretaste of a new nation, a new kingdom. Uh, and so what we see Matthew seeking to do is to, to, to help us to understand the nature of that kingdom. What is that kingdom like? Uh, And if that kingdom is the kingdom of heaven, which is what Jesus describes the kingdom to be, kingdom of heaven, which is where we get our title from, the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus says on many occasions. How does it have relevance for us today? Why is it still important? Why is it still something that we need to hear? Well, we, we move now into this Uh, section that we're looking at this afternoon, this reading where Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as being like, well, it's a simple story, isn't it? It's a story which would have had tremendous impact for the people who first heard it. Uh, it, it, The Lake Galilee was right nearby and and the idea of fishermen and and fishing, catching fish uh, would have been something that would have just been part of life. It would have been a common scene that everybody would have been very aware of. But Jesus follows on, uh, and if we can take our minds back if you were here, uh, take our minds back to last week, and if you weren't here, let me just give you a little bit of a, 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 a kind of picture of where this comes in the, in the progress of what Jesus is saying. Previously what Jesus has said is the kingdom of heaven is like uh, treasure found in a field, so it's possible that, that the kingdom of heaven is something of great value which is suddenly and unexpectedly discovered. Secondly, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a pearl trader who's been looking for the one pearl, and he finds it. So the kingdom of heaven, is a, it's a treasure again, isn't it? It's something which is precious, but it's something which has been sought out and discovered. Both of those pictures give, give an idea to us that the kingdom of heaven is something of worth. And, and we saw last week, well, what, what is what is your treasure? We, we know where our treasures are because we devote our time to them. We devote our resources to them. Everything that we've got goes... Not everything that we've got. A significant part of what we have goes into the things that we treasure. Uh, In fact, the things that we um, treasure the most are the things that we put the most into. Uh, And Jesus is helping us to see that today, in the the world in which we live now, which is surrounded by all sorts of glittering treasures, all sorts of things that seem uh, to entice us, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is far more precious than anything that you will ever find in this world. Uh, And therefore, treat it, consider it to be a treasure. It's very personal, isn't it? The two previous stories, one man finds treasure buried in a field and he buys it, buys the field to get the treasure. Another um, trader finds the pearl, which is like no other pearl, and he commits himself to it. So it's personal treasure. But this story's different, isn't it? This isn't an item. This isn't, um, if you like, uh, describing the kingdom of heaven in value terms. What Jesus goes on straight away to say is the kingdom of heaven is going to proceed like this. (laughs) Isn't it interesting? Do you remember we said right at the very beginning of this, it's hard to really nail down what Jesus meant, what Jesus uh, defines as the kingdom of heaven. Because it's lots of different aspects. It's now, it's in the future, it's inside of us, it's personal, it's a body of people. It's something which is describable in grand terms, it's something which is very personal, it's something which is... um, yet to come and it's something which we can know now this particular story is one of those uh, which firstly first point i want to make is that jesus says the kingdom of heaven has got a time dimension to it what do we see there jesus says like these guys who go out fishing Uh, if you've seen the kind of fishing that is being described here you might have seen it on tv um the, the, the way it works is that you, you have a net, very, very long net, huge net, drag net. And uh, one boat uh, takes the end of the net uh, and rows out or sails out uh, into, the, into the bay or into the water and then creates, pulling behind it, this huge net and then creating a great big curve in the water, uh, and then coming back to shore. So you've now got this great big net right out into the sea, and you've got the ends of the net on the shore. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like that process. That's time, isn't it? But the net doesn't stay there. And what happens is that Having taken the net right the way out into the water, having created this great big ark, the next thing that the fishermen do is they bring that net back into shore. It takes time. There's a process that is going on. The kingdom of heaven, he says, Jesus says, is just like that. They go down to the lake uh, and they they take this net out uh, and the process is they catch all kinds of fish. Contained within that net, it is a picture of time, isn't it? There's a time where, in some sense, the kingdom of heaven is mixed up with good fish and bad fish. Things that are of value, things that are of worth, and things that aren't of worth. And then as that net is dragged back in, we see that uh, those fishermen then pull the net back in. When the net is full, they pull the net back into the shore, pulling it up onto the shore, and then they separate out. Jesus is saying, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like that. Here we are. We are 2,000 years after Jesus. And Jesus is saying to these people who heard this at that point in time, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like the net has gone out and there's a big ark. And over time, there's fish swimming around contained within that. But at some point in the future, there's going to come a moment a a point in time where the net is dragged back in. That's what Jesus says. There is a time dimension to this kingdom of heaven. It's a different kind of story to a treasure in a field. He's saying that there's a process here. the, The process of the kingdom of heaven is like this. In other words, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven... Uh, is something which has a, a point where it's recognized in the future. What is that? Where the net gets pulled up on the shore and where there is a separation that's going on. They sit down, good fish are collected, put in baskets, ones that are of no use are discarded, thrown away, good and bad separated out. And yet somehow, the good fish are still good fish before the nets dragged in, aren't they? It's not like they get dragged up onto the shore and suddenly become a good fish. The good fish are out there. The bad fish are out there. But the point where it's recognized, where it's understood, where it's seen, is that final point at which the fishermen drag it in. Jesus goes on to say, what's that like? This is how it will be at the end of the age. There's the time dimension, isn't it? There's the point at which it will be seen. The kingdom of heaven is contained now within this net. There's good fish, bad fish, but there's a moment in time where suddenly everybody will know what it is. There will be a separation. That that idea that there will be a definition of what is good and what is bad? The angels will separate out good fish and bad fish. Good fish will be kept. Bad fish will be discarded. That sounds really offensive, doesn't it? That sounds really hard. sounds, sounds like Jesus is saying something which maybe in that day was perhaps even more acceptable than in our day. For all sorts of reasons. You might be sat here thinking. Something along the lines of this. How does anybody. Have the right. To decide what's good and what's bad. How does anybody have the right to separate out. To decide what should be kept. And what should be discarded. Who who can say. You're good and you're bad. Well, One of the things that we need to understand about this building picture that Jesus has of the kingdom of heaven, let's go back to the stories of last week. Was the person who found the treasure defined as good? Or is it the treasure that's good? It's the treasure, isn't it? The person who dig, digs up the field and and takes that treasure they, they now take on something that they now have something which they didn't have before the the pearl trader who finds a pearl and say this is this is of worth this is of value it's now going to be mine he now has something which he didn't have before and that doesn't that speak about what Jesus is trying to help us to see about the kingdom of heaven? That the kingdom of heaven and the, the fact that that is defined as good and, and that is defined as, as bad, that there is this separation going on, it's not about the person themselves. It's not about the individual. It's not about what you are or what I am. It's not, not God saying... It's not the angels uh, deciding, you're a good person, I'll have you. You're a bad person, we'll discard you. (laughs) It's about what we've found. It's about what we've seen. It's about, about what has been revealed to us. It's not about living a good life which becomes acceptable. This, this particular story can sound as if on first hearing getting into the kingdom of heaven on that last day being accepted as good is about whether I'm considered a good person or a bad person. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's He's asking you the question really have you discovered the treasure Has the pearl of great price been something which you have searched out and found? Have you realized the value of Jesus? Do you hold on to that? Or are you actually deciding that I want to be good enough as I am? I want to be acceptable as I am. We're very good at defining our own standards, aren't we? Very good at deciding what's good and what's bad. Uh, Our standards of what's good, what's acceptable, um, very often works around where we think of ourselves. You know, it's very often, I'm acceptable, it's it's everybody else. (laughs) Uh, And yet Jesus says, no, there is going to come a time where there's going to be a separation. And the separation isn't on your basis, the separation is on my basis. And the separation is about the treasure. It's about the pearl." It's about whether that truth is yours. Whether you have realized, I'm no treasure myself, but in Jesus I'm priceless. I'm of no value myself, but with Jesus I'm the greatest treasure. I am precious to God. I am loved by Him. I am valued by Him. He, he identifies me finally through the, uh, the work of the angels on that last day as being good and to be kept for this kingdom to endure, to continue to go on beyond the end of time. Because what the, the story goes on to say is that as, that as the angels separate out and identify and keep the good, the good are kept by them. That would have really struck a chord uh, as for those who first heard it. Uh, this kind of subsistence living. The idea that really you survived by what you managed to fish for or what you managed to grow or what you managed to trade. You, you just lived enough. That uh, kept going kind of picture. Look at the way the angels are described. Or rather the fishermen. And therefore the angels described in this way. They, they sit down. They sit down on the, on the shore with this net doesn't that give a picture that that there is no way in which any possible good fish is going to get missed (laughs) it's just not possible because here here these fishermen who are taking their time they're diligently kind of taking one by one assessing it and making sure that everything of worth is kept not one will be missed uh, if you've seen that, um, uh, um, oh, uh, what's the uh, deadliest catch on Discovery Channel? Uh, I know some of you are into deadliest catch in a big way. It's a great program where they go fishing for uh, some kind of really valuable crab, crabs, producing crab meat. And uh, it seems to me that they pull up these baskets, and um, huge baskets, probably about... Seven foot by five foot. And you can crawl into it to put the, put the bait inside the, inside the cage. Then they tip it up and there's this massive table. And they're dragging these, uh, net, these baskets up, tipping the crabs out onto this big table and sorting them out uh, in lightning speed, ready for the next basket to be dragged up uh, and dropped onto the table. And it seems to me, the speed that it all works, I think to myself, they must get it wrong. They, they must throw away some good ones. And, and they must leave some bad ones and keep, keep hold of some bad ones. They can't get it ra- right all the time. You know, There's, there's going to be some good ones that end up back in the sea. As far as God's concerned, the final day, uh, the separation it 's going to be a diligent separation it 's going to be a patient separation. There is no sense in which any are going to be misplaced, going to end up in the wrong place it 's not going to be something which is going to go wrong. I, I think for those of us who who know what we are as people, we know that we live lives which when we, look at the, when we look at the picture that God portrays of what our life ought to be before Him, we know that there's all sorts of reasons why we might be mistaken, <laughs> why we might be considered as a bit of a bad fish on the last day. Is it possible that on that last day, the treasure that resides within me might not quite be spotted? Is that possible? As far as I see from this particular picture that Jesus draws, He gives us an absolute confidence that on that last day, there will be a careful and a diligent and a safe and orderly separation. Because it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about the treasure that resides within us. Uh, And we might look at our lives, uh, and we might see uh, failure, uh, and in fact you might be somebody who's just looking at this Christian uh, life, you might be somebody observing from the outside thinking, you know what, I I hear what's being said, but I look at all of these people, who claim to be Christians and, and to be honest, there's so many times I know them well, they're my friends. Uh, and we, we don't live up to the standards that we ought to live up to. We mess up. Uh, we do the things that we ought not to do. Uh, we we upset. We hurt. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody who's a Christian. And you think, well, you're not good enough. You know, that's, that's one of the most powerful messages of the Christian faith. The Christian faith says this, that it is very likely that there will be countless people, a multitude of people, who will not find the kingdom of heaven, who are morally way better than me way better than me. You know, the way they handle things, the way they uh, interact, their relationships with people, uh, the way they live, they're going to be morally, it would seem, better than me. But when it comes to a separation, it's not about what I've done. It's about whether there's the treasure there. Whether that treasure has been placed in my life by Jesus. And and when these angels, like fishermen, come to separate it out, (laughs) it just stands out for them. It's just clear to them. I might feel, I might look like a bad fish, but not from a heavenly perspective. From a heavenly perspective, it just shines out that I'm a son of God, A, a child of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? adopted by God into his family appearing now clothed in the righteousness of Jesus that's an amazing thing that means that i can say to you I- i'm sorry for the times when i might have offended you i'm sorry for the times when other christian uh, Other Christians have offended you or hurt you or upset you. I'm sorry for the times when we don't live the way we ought to live. But that doesn't mean that we won't find a home in heaven. And if you're thinking, I'm just not sure that I could possibly keep up being a Christian. (laughs) If I make this commitment, I think I'll blow it (laughs) in the first week or so. And there's no way I can keep going like this until the end of my life. (laughs) I know. But it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the treasure that's inside of us that is seen by those on that last day that will separate us out. So be encouraged. That it's not in your strength. That it's not in our good works. It's that gracious treasure that has been placed in us by the living God. So there's a separation. But also we see here, if the two previous stories have been talking about the preciousness of the kingdom of heaven, this story now introduces the the terror of rejecting the treasure. Because what we see uh, following on is that the angels who separate the wicked from the righteous those who are righteous not by themselves but because of the gift of God, uh, that they will be thrown away just like discarded fish. They'll be be thrown away into what the Bible describes here as a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Fiery furnace. Pretty much most towns in Jesus' day, just outside of the town, Jerusalem had a huge area where all of the waste of Jerusalem was taken out of the city, taken out of the town, was thrown into this huge pit, this refuse pit, and was burned up. You know, take away, take out of your minds the kind of medieval pictures uh, of hell being some sort of um, fiery place where there's, there's devils with pic- pitchforks Uh, kind of prodding you back into the burning stuff. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's using a picture that would have been understood by the people of the day. What happens to your refuse? What happens to the things that are discarded? They're taken outside of the city, discarded and burned. They're considered as waste. Wow! That is hard, isn't it? Isn't it good news to know the reality before it happens? You know, would, wouldn't it be a tragic thing if there was no warning signs on the edge of a precipice as you walk along the, 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 uh, the cliffs above a beach? It's a good thing that the warnings are there and Jesus places this this warning that a rejection of the treasure is considered renders you to be considered as waste to be discarded that might be hard to hear but it's what Jesus explains uh, when we come to this clear picture separation considered as waste where there is fire, where there is weeping, and where there is gnashing of teeth, grinding of teeth, anger, frustration, terror. What's Jesus saying here? Well, he's saying that there is a real place where the fire does not consume. That's interesting, isn't it? If there was fire, Uh, and it consumed, there would be no weeping and gnashing of teeth. But actually, there is that ongoing consideration of being waste, and there is ongoing pain, and there is not not burning pain, but a different kind of burning pain, Uh, and there is ongoing anger and frustration. Jesus is saying if there is a separation between good, righteous, and bad, waste and that to be preserved, then there is really a heaven to be gained, and there is really a place that the Bible describes as as hell to fear. It's a warning sign. Jesus proclaimed this to everybody who listened. There There is a place which our tendency to reject the treasure of God allows us to continue on a process which results in us having our own way our own self-centered way that is the outcome that is the end destination total complete and utter self-centeredness is the outcome of the rejection of the treasure of heaven it takes this takes us back to to the Bible's picture of of human beings. Our joy, our satisfaction, is found in relationship with God. But we reject it and we become self-centered. And the self-centeredness takes us on a trajectory which which takes us further and further and further into a consuming self-centeredness. Let's... Let's just take a little illustration of a little child. And uh, those of you who have ever taken a little one into the shops, and uh, they see something that they want, and there's that kind of self-centered, I want that bag of sweets. <laughs> and uh, how does it work out? I know you can't have it, you just had your dinner. I want it. And the self-centeredness increases... And increases and becomes bigger and bigger, and you have the tantrum on the floor, and you have the screaming, and you have the anger, and you have the frustration. That's what self centeredness does. That's just a tiny little picture. Uh, but I would guess, if you think about it, if you take that, if you extrapolate that into our adult life, if you take that into those who become. Consumed with self-centeredness. Rejecting everybody around them. Totally consumed. Where does self-centeredness take us? Loneliness. Separation. Bitterness. Anger. Self-consuming hatred of everybody around. To be self-centered is not a nice thing. To be on a journey of increasing self-centeredness is self-destructive. And what Jesus is saying is the lack of my presence, my separation from you and allowing you to continue unrestricted on that process of self-centeredness without any of my grace any more being poured out on you, that is more punishment than you can ever imagine. God does not have to whip us in hell for us to be punished. The greatest punishment that God can inflict on us is to withdraw Himself. No God and only us is hell. Wow. I don't know whether you've ever really thought, what does hell mean? What does heaven mean? What does the kingdom of heaven mean in relation, therefore, to this story? The kingdom of heaven means, (laughs) ultimately, continuous, ongoing unreserved presence with God. It's better than anything. It's more precious than anything. And hell means just no presence of God. And when God's presence is taken away, I don't have the capacity to have relationships with anybody else. I become more self-consumed than you could ever imagine. I will will blame you. I will blame everybody else. I will hate everybody. I will be totally self-justifying. I will be consumed. And that's why Jesus says there's going to be gnashing of teeth. There's going to be anger. There's going to be frustration. When I separate out myself, wow, the unquenched trajectory of pure humanity. That's hell. But Jesus says, Look, I'm telling you this story now. I'm telling you because okay, that might be that might be the the end result if you reject this treasure. But he's kind of saying, Look, all the focus out of three stories, two of them are about treasure. One of them is about the horror of rejection. There's the warning sign. Thank, thank God that Jesus gave us the warning sign. But he's saying, look, look at the tr- kind of treasure that is available. T- take it. Don't reject it. Value it. Live our lives day by day valuing that treasure. It's more precious than we could ever imagine. Then Jesus goes on to say, He just asks a question. It's just just such a powerful question, isn't it? Have you understood this? What what more can you say to these people who are hearing about treasure in heaven, treasure in presence with God, uh, and then the, the fear and the terror of rejecting that treasure? He says, look, do you understand it? I don't think he's saying, do you understand the story construction. He's saying, do you really understand it? Do you understand the implications for you? The reason he says, I I would say that's what he means, is because he what he goes on to say. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his treasure store new treasures as well as old. Saying, look, You might have thought that the kingdom that I was coming to declare to you was a kingdom all about kicking out the Romans. I I am declaring the kingdom that has been declared from the very beginning. I am declaring the kingdom. That's the old. But the new is this. The kingdom gets personal. The kingdom gets relevant to every one of us today. The kingdom means that I can say to you as a new thing, as a new way of expressing the kingdom today, the kingdom of heaven is worth more than the security of an understandable, recognizable party in government. The kingdom of heaven is worth more than the security of a stable economy. The kingdom of heaven is worth more than ensuring that planes don't fall out of the sky because of a volcano. The kingdom of heaven is relevant because it is personal. It's no longer geography. It's no longer nation. It's about you walking along in a field and finding treasure. It's about you diligently searching it out. And then it's about you treasuring it And valuing it and holding on to it and saying this is mine more than anything else. Because it secures a a heaven. It secures a kingdom for all of eternity. Jesus came and said, I have come to deliver that. I have come to establish this kingdom. I am the linchpin. I am the one on which this whole thing turns And it's relationship with me. I'm the treasure. I am the one that you might discover in a field. I am the one who you might diligently search out. I am the one who you will be gathered into the basket. And be spending all of eternity with me. I'm the treasure. The kingdom of heaven relational connection with Jesus knowing Him personally in a way that changes our lives in a way that becomes so true deep down inside that I know that my Redeemer lives I know that I personally have found relationship with Him He speaks to me I know Him He shapes my life I have found a treasure of huge value.